inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thanks for joining. We are now in the last month of 2020, and we still have a couple of very interesting guests to show you and to have interesting conversation. So today's guest has a mantra, up your creative genius. She's doing very, very interesting things. I'll, we'll hear more from her own words. Let me introduce you, Patry Dobrovolsky. She's, first of all, a, a writer. She's an author of books. The first book is in Nine Tips to Up Your Creative Genius, and the other book is Drawing Solutions, How Visual Goal Setting Will Change Your Life. She also has her consulting company called Up Your Creative Genius, in which she uses visuals and creative processes to help companies and individuals around the world accelerate growth and change. She's also a, a comic performer, also a four-time TEDx speaker, and she's been, obviously, in many other large stages. She works with uh, big companies, Fortune 100 companies, government and not-profits, and small businesses. Patty holds a master in psychology with an emphasis in drama therapy from the California Institute of Integral Studies. Hello, Patty, and welcome. Thank you, Oscar. I'm so excited to be here. I just, um, you know, we're on different parts of the world, but I love this when we can connect and talk about things that matter and that we're interested in. So thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I love this. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. It's great talking with you now. And when I see you, what you are doing is like, wow, that's so many, so many super interesting things. But I'd like to to know how everything started. So because I cannot guess, actually, if I you started uh, a psychologist as a performer, <laughs> please tell us. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yes, um, I was an actor. I wasn't really an actor. I was a performance artist. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what happened was I, you know, I would audition for shows, but I, I never would get in. And mm. so I decided I would just write my own material and start subjecting audiences to it. And so I decided after a while that a friend of mine suggested I go to New York and take some acting lessons. So I did. And I stayed with this Broadway actress and because I was a performance artist, I never thought about being on Broadway, any of that. I only thought I'd be off Broadway, you know, very cool. And because the stuff I did was kind of weird and out there and funny and, and also just used a lot of props and strange costuming, et cetera. And what happened was I had been living in Seattle. I went to New York to take acting lessons, but when I went back to Seattle, I became obsessed in a way about Broadway because it was so fun to be staying with this actor and she would just sing and do all these things. And I thought it was so cool that I fantasized about it mm -hmm. and I fantasized about myself. And then what happened was I got called for an audition because they were looking for performance artists and I went and I got in the show and then it went to, you know, the 
Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., and then it went to Broadway. And that all happened in the same year. And I thought, how did that happen? So after that, I became obsessed with visuals, inner visuals, athletes. How did they use that inner visioning to make things happen? And, you know, through a series of events, I ended up going back to school and getting a degree in drama therapy. But I was honestly, Oscar, a terrible therapist. I would oh. just tell people what to do. I'd be like, ah, you you know, you're <laughs> that guy's bad for you. Leave him or you mm. have a drinking problem. Go to AA, you know, things like this. So someone <laughs> said you should go into business because they love it when you tell them what to do there. Mm. So I ended up working in business and in business. I saw a guy in a meeting I was in draw a picture of the future uh, for this company. And I thought, oh, that brought my two worlds together, Mm. the inner picture and the outer picture. I knew that they were very powerful. And so I became obsessed about learning about outer pictures. And I wasn't an illustrator, so I taught myself to draw so that I could start to do this with business. And that is sort of how I got into drawing for people. And then through that process, I discovered the draw your future process, which is what I'm most known for now. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, super interesting story. So, so many different ways and until you you have this aha moment and you you became this illustrator just uh, on top of all what you have been learning, your experience in the performing arts and psychology and, and ultimately in business is where you have. Yeah. And, you know, the good thing about being an actor, as you know, and a- actors believe they can do anything and play any role. <laughs> they came oh, in yes. very handy when I was in business, not really knowing what I was doing at the very beginning. I had mm-hmm. a very high case of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't sure. I had had my own successful business as an artist, right? But Mm. to give advice or, Mm. (laughs) you know, it was easier if I could draw a picture of the future and then help them to achieve the goals. But over the years, I, of course, became very experienced in business, but it took me a while. And I think that's the, the secret sometimes is you don't really know how you're going to get where you're going. Um, you have maybe the picture of what you'd like to be doing. So, you know, many of your listeners want to be a speaker or they want to get their uh, business started. And part of it is you must build a compelling case for that inside yourself. You have to build the desire to work your butt off to get there, mm. right? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Of a lot, a lot of effort, and until you find this, no, this moment, this realization, and everything, all the effort you have been doing, and the the pieces come together, and yeah, yeah, you you make yeah. it. Yeah, and then I think, uh, I don't know about you, but you have a very eclectic background. You've done a lot of different things, and so, you know, when you have that kind of a background, you understand how important it is to pivot during a time like this, where we're in a pandemic, Mm. you have to call on what I consider to be your creative genius, which is this little voice inside Mm -hmm. that is always guiding you to do certain things. It's that intuitive nudge. It's that sense of the right decision. It's the strategic thinking. 
Um, and that creative genius is just waiting around for you to get it together and start listening, right? Yes, I couldn't agree more. And I like this um, part of your brand that you use this creative genius. So how came that idea of using that uh, that term? Or, on the thing well, um, I think that I uh, before my former company was called Alchemy, the Art of Transforming Business. Mm -hmm. And um, I liked this and I loved working with my partners, but I needed to go out and do my own thing and become a speaker and, and finished a book that I was working on, the first book. And when I was thinking about the idea of what really makes for the ability to create change in your life, I thought, well, what am I calling on really? And um, we always think of creative genius as a person because we've attached it to a personality. But mm -hmm. for me, it, it was never that. I knew that creative genius was almost like um, the part of you that you come into the world with and that you learn over time how to um, listen better to the insights that are available to you you know, because of how the brain works, right? So the brain is always trying to problem solve for you. That's the way the amygdala is set up. And when you can leverage that problem solving um, for positive um, change in your world, then it's much better. So to me, this was the creative genius, which would come in with these out of the blue ideas that would drop in And sometimes we'll think, oh, that's so out there. How could I possibly do that? But those are the ideas that really are the ones that you're called to explore. And if you are brave enough, you will. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's my thing really in the world is I show people how to draw a picture of the future, meaning that we look at where you are right now, mm -hmm. where you want to be, and the three <clears throat> boldest things you could do to get there. But we draw it in a picture because the picture helps your brain focus on what's most important. And then the amygdala helps you do those three bold steps. And then your drive, your internal drive will get you to take action every day, which of course we could draw as many pretty pictures as we want, but if you never put it into action, mm -hmm. um, you won't manifest that picture at all. You have to do the hard work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the creative genius is it's inside everybody. Yeah, and you can access it by asking a question, uh, getting a piece of paper and a pen, writing down what you anything that comes comes to you to write down, or you know when you're writing a book, that's when your creative genius is coming through. So I, I would ask you too, Oscar, how you're a creative genius. You know, you access that all the time. How how do you do it? <laughs> yeah. Good question is, uh, of course, you have to give it, give it time and space to, to have this creative genius, right? So you have to sit down and focus on something you want to, you want to achieve. And yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a good question. But yeah, you have to set the time, set the, some, yeah. you, you need a goal. You need to bring ideas that have come from your mind. And then sit down and, and put effort, as you said. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And I was, um, I've been reading this book. I wish I had it sitting right here, but it's uh, really about 
um, soul-centered or soul-conscious um, entrepreneurship. And uh, this this book, and I'll, I'll send it to you later, so maybe you can just put it in the notes. But sure. um, in this book, uh, the author is talking about how important it is to set your intention, which mm-hmm. uh, we sometimes talk about setting goals, which is something out there. Mm. But intention is sometimes a very messy thing that if you get clear with what your intention is and what it is you really, really want, then you create a sense of guidance for yourself. And for me, setting the intention is when you draw a picture of the Mm. vision of what you want and you add words to it, but you put pictures there. Mm. And when you draw a picture yourself and you take action on it, they did a study out of UCLA with it that you improve your chances of success by 46%. But that you have to, because you are attaching yourself to a future you, and the stronger the connection between you and that future self, the better the decisions you make in the here and now. And that that's something to just remember when you are interested in pursuing something new attach yourself to a future you that is doing that thing in in your imagination doing it and pretend you know become that don't just um you know try become it mm. you know ask yourself a series of questions like oh, if i were a successful financially successful speaker um or a you know i don't know about you but i wrote many times you know i am a nationally recognized speaker right keynote speaker mm-hmm. and i would write it on a piece of paper and then i would ima- mm-hmm. i'd go through my day like and i asked myself okay if a nationally recognized keynote speaker were sitting down at her desk right now what would she what would she do and i'd be like well you'd write something you know mm-hmm. so you have something to say right so i would let it guide me mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what you mean by by intention. And in your process, what you recommend, part of what you guide is that has to be uh, drawn. So you you make drawings on that. So let's. That also reminds me. In for example, your website, I I see you can see parts of your one of your TEDx talk in which you appear drawing. And yeah, the excellent talk. This one I watched it. But before going to to that to the TEDx talk, uh, tell me about. The drawing, how you learned drawing, how you became this live illustrator. Tell, tell me a bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, I saw this guy draw in a meeting mm-hmm. and it made something <clears throat> click inside of me. And I thought, oh, that guy is making a lot of money drawing. <laughs> 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 and he looks like he's having fun. I'm going to mm-hmm. learn how to do that. So I told um, one of my collaborators, Michael, I said, you know, can you get me, I want to work with that guy. I want to be his intern, but he was not interested in me at all. He didn't want to have me as intern, but Mm. Michael found me another person, Janet Schatzman, and she brought me in as an intern. And literally, now I had no drawing experience, honestly. So she would hand me a piece of paper with a drawing on it, a basic black and white drawing of a picture that she was doing for some big company like, you know, HP or something like this. Mm -hmm. And she'd say, okay, Patty, I want you to take this, this small piece of paper and I want you to transfer it, that drawing to the wall over there, that big piece of paper, right? 
And so I would spend hours, you know, penciling this drawing up here. And I just learned about space and alignment and drawing from working with her. And I worked with her for maybe six months. And then I moved to Colorado. I met a person, uh, Janine Underhill, who was an illustrator, graphic recorder is what they're called. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, and we started a business together. And uh, that that was just the beginning of it. So I, I trained myself to draw. And then later, uh, when I wanted to do a beautiful drawing, mm-hmm. I would hire a studio artist to help. Mm-hmm. And they would create the final drawing. But honestly, mm-hmm. I practiced drawing everything. When I would fly to a client site, I would draw mm-hmm. the inside of the plane. I always had a sketch huh. pad and a pencil so that I... We just taught myself how to draw things. And even now, uh, I still practice drawing every day. I still practice because uh, people will say, oh, you're a fantastic artist. But, you know, same thing, imposter syndrome. I never went to art school, right? (laughs) So I still want to hone my ability to draw online. Um, Wacom tablets sent me a tablet Mm -hmm. to see if I would learn to draw in digital fashion. So I've been working with that. And so I think that, but the drawing, what's true about drawing is when you draw a picture of anything, you integrate all parts of your brain because uh, drawing does that. And we know that from Betty Edwards, who wrote um, Drawing from the Right Side of the Brain, but she talked about that years ago. And I find that whenever I'm stuck or anybody's stuck, you know, you don't have to draw well. You just have to draw doodle a little sketch and that will unlock your creativity. It'll let, let your creative genius have a way to flow through you again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so top. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you're doodling right now, aren't you, Oscar? I know you are. You've got your pen going, you're taking some notes and doodling around the page, right? Of course. <laughs> while, while we are speaking, of course. <laughs> um, yeah. So, how long it can take based on your experience for someone? Imagine I, I never done it, so I never done like yeah. you do what you appear on, well, on stage. Yeah, and, I teach people mm. online how to draw mm. in a four week class and okay. I, I guarantee I'll take people from a zero to a five in those four weeks because everyone remembers drawing from when they were young. They just need to pick up where they left yeah. off and continue. Right. So uh, for me <clears throat> to feel really good, you know, the first year was uh, I've, I couldn't understand spatial mm. use and ha- how much to do that. But after a year, two years, I was, I had it down. But even after a month or three months of drawing, you will, you can't believe how far people can come. And it just has to do with practice. If you just practice drawing something, like you just make it part of your everyday routine, Mm. right? Instead of taking notes when you're talking to a client on your computer or um, when you're watching something, uh, you know, Netflix special on something, just sketch what you hear. And that mm-hmm. will help your um, build an internal iconography, you know, like all the icons that you could possibly draw for business ideas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I ask you, what would you draw if I said we need to draw a picture of idea, <laughs> an idea? What would you draw for idea? 
Yeah, typical thing is the the light bulb, right? Yeah, Could be. exactly. That's, that's so we draw a light bulb, yeah. or we draw a lightning bolt, or something like this. And everybody has that inside their brain because they're yeah. the same images we see all the time. And all we're doing is transferring that to the paper. And it it just takes a couple of tries. And everybody has their own style, so there's no right way to draw. Yeah. And in fact, when you draw a picture of your vision. It's often better if you don't know how to draw because they found in a study that if you were teaching students something with an ugly font, that they mm-hmm. remembered it better than if it was pretty. And that's what <laughs> I say about drawing. If you draw bad pictures, your brain will remember it even better. It will stick in there and you'll remember, oh, yeah, that's that vision. And then you'll remember the picture you drew of the person with the backpack going stick figure going up the mountain, right, to your goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's possible to, of course, with the right guidance, it's possible to do this, to this, this uh, illustration in, in a few months. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, very interesting. And then? Then tell us how you pivot from this successful drawing to to get uh, paid speaking gigs. So tell us a bit yeah. about that. Well, um, I always knew I wanted to be a keynote speaker ever since I was um, an actor. And then I transitioned out of that. Um, I knew that I wanted to be back on the stage in some way. That it, in a way, as an actor, I was telling a story and the story had a message. And that was, but that was for a very limited audience. And I knew if I learned to speak, I could communicate better an idea to a larger audience. So I started to just do um, small speaking in my area. You know, I'd volunteer to go and speak for the Women's Business Exchange, or I'd, it, you know, I never went to Toastmasters because I was already a good performer. So I knew I didn't need that kind of training, but I did need, and I understood about telling stories, which is the essence of good speaking. And, uh, but I didn't have like an audience of people or they didn't know how to find me. So I began to do some writing. And then in the writing, I decided I would write a book about drawing solutions and mm-hmm. this visual goal setting. And at the same time, I um, gave a couple of talks in Seattle and I got an agent. I don't know how this happened, honestly, but she, I approached her and I said, I think I would be good for your book of business. And I draw and talk at the same time. Well, she happened to be uh, one of the um, promoters or one of the um, curators for a TEDx in Seattle. And it was TEDx Rainier at that time. And so she said, um, you know, I, th- I want to pitch you to the team. Uh, can you draw and talk at the same time? Mm-hmm. Well, Oscar, I had never done that. Oh, I never, I had talked yes. and then I had drawn, you know, turned and drawn mm-hmm. picture um, in the draw your future process, but I'd never like done both at the same time in seven minutes. Right. <laughs> so, um, but I said, uh, she said, can you do that? And I said, of course, I thought, well, I'll figure this out BT, well if I get that TEDx. <laughs> right. And so then uh, I went to Phil Klein, who was the person who was the decision maker and on a piece of paper in front of him, I talked about, pitched my idea and talked about the brain science of it and why drawing a picture was so valuable. And then I just drew like for him the whole time on a a piece of flip chart paper in front of him on the table so he could see. 
And, uh, and he asked me, invited me to be part of that TEDx. And it happened that my book and that TEDx happened at the same time. Mm. So it came out at that time and so did my TEDx. And this team was, and some TEDx are not this great. They won't, they don't do a lot of social media posting. So it's hard to get it viewed. Mm -hmm, But TEDx Rainier was very dialed in on this. And so they knew exactly what to do. So right away, 40,000 people saw it. Mm -hmm. And then right away, a few things happened. A couple of years went by and Someone picked it up on best of 2015, and then 6 million people saw it. Wow. And to me, I was like, oh, my God. My social media person said, hey, Patty, 6 million people watch Draw Your Future. I go, no way, Emer. What are you talking about? She goes, I go, no, no, it's all the talk. She goes, no. I went to the back end of the site, and you can see it there. So that became really the premise for my my third um, TED talk was all about the research and what I found and where people get stuck because, you know, we can draw a pretty picture and we can take action, but oftentimes people get stuck in the process. So I tell a couple of stories in that other TEDx about people who um, had breakthroughs and were successful. So that's how it started. And that honestly, that TEDx has uh, been really one of the greatest calling cards for me to get work speaking is often they say, someone sent me your TEDx talk, draw mm-hmm. your future. And I think the important thing for speakers to understand is you need to understand what is your niche and you have to have a niche mm-hmm. and you want to make sure it's, it's you, you know, you can't, you can't be like trying on somebody else's idea. You have to come up with your own idea and it should be compelling if you can have a compelling idea. And then that is what gets you uh, because people don't buy your idea. They buy you. So it's a combination of you and your great idea and your presentation that makes for the dynamic combination to get you to be a, a speaker. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. The the whole package, right? The, your idea, yeah. uh, your your personality, yourself, and yeah, exactly. I completely agree. So this um, that TEDx talk that came almost at the same time with your book that was your first yeah. one, first TEDx talk. Yes, right? that was the first one. The second one was Imagination Changes Everything, where I talk about the uh, my story about getting on Broadway and how I held the uh-huh. picture. And the third one is Creative Genius U, which is out of TEDx Bend. And that's really where I talk about the research that Mm -hmm. um, we did and um, what the story. And I tell some stories about people in different parts of the world, where they got stuck and how they broke through. Yeah, that's the one. It's on your website. The one I watched. Correct. Uh Yes. Okay, excellent. So which one has been so far most uh, most viewed? Is still yeah, the first Draw one? Your Future is the one that's been the most viewed, the first really. One, so. oh, yeah, and it's it. short. You know, it's seven minutes oh, long. Oh, so yeah. everybody's like, oh, perfect, seven minutes. And, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I would say this, and, uh, you know, if anybody is ever thinking of giving a TEDx talk mm-hmm. or a TED talk, or any talk, really, I mean, I rehearsed for months to get ready so that I would nail that. I mean, literally I nailed it. People stood up and I thought Mm. I nailed it. You know, like I, I knew that I had because I put so much effort into it. And I think that's what is the secret to being a good speaker is that every single time 
you have to put all of your heart and soul into that talk, even if it's the 300th time you've given a similar talk, you have to, like an actor would, you have to recreate the environment of the story such that people are like experiencing it for the first time. Mm -hmm. And you are too. It's like you replay and step into that moment in time and then uh, tell that story from that spot. So how many times did you rehearse just to give a number more or less? I probably rehearsed that talk. It was a seven-minute talk, and I was able to do uh, do it about uh, four times in an hour. I rehearsed for five days straight, of straight eight hours a day. So I probably rehearsed that talk. I bet you um, probably seventy-five times before I gave it. Mm-hmm. So that I never yes. on stage. Actually, I I had had a moment where I went up. You know, they call that in the theater. You went up. You forget your lines, mm-hmm. and right then it I, it just dropped right into what the next thought was. So that I was so rehearsed with it, I could let it go, and I knew what it was about. So I mm-hmm. could just fill in the gap in between. Yeah. And uh, in every single TED Talk that I've given, there's been that moment. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, someone like Brene Brown, right, who did the talk on vulnerability, she never rehearses her talks. She just has some bullet points, and then she goes from bullet point to bullet point. I'm yeah. I'm an actor, so <laughs> I, f- I always <laughs> rehearse. I hire someone to, mm-hmm. to coach me yeah. and watch me, a director, and give me feedback. Like one of the funniest jokes in Draw Your Future It came from Nancy Cranborn, one of my collaborators in the theater. You know, she's the one that said the the comment about the mullet. And, you know, people from around the world in different countries, they're like, what's a mullet? We don't even know what a mullet is, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a hairdo, if you don't know. You know, uh-huh. it's a hairstyle. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, absolutely. I think th- definitely the safest. And I think we both agree that... Everybody should rehearse as much as possible. So for that very successful text talk, you, you said at least 75 times. So yeah. Yeah, I did it about mm. 75 times. Is that right? That can't mm. be right. Let's let's reduce that number. If I did it four times an hour and I rehearsed for eight, that meant that I did it. You know, I think I did. I did do it about 75 times because yeah. I did that in for four hours a day. I rehearsed straight. I'd take a break, mm-hmm. lunch, and then I'd go back and do it again. Because I wanted the timing to be so perfect. And, yeah, exactly. you, and you do with something like mm-hmm. that. Exactly. Well, excellent. Yeah, fantastic uh, experience and, and, and learnings from, from what you have done, not only on TEDx, but also in about the illustration and everything. Uh, Patty, could you now share with us what is your favorite quotation? Yes. My favorite quotation is a Maya Angelou quote. And it is, you can only become truly accomplished at something you love. Mm. And um, and it, I think it's so true. You must love it because to be good at it, you really have to work at it. And so you've got to love pulling up to your desk to write. You know, you have to love the topic you're speaking mm-hmm. about and to get yourself to rehearse and get good and comfortable getting uh uncomfortable on stage uh, and anything, I think. 
So I love that quote. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I definitely agree with that. So in terms of speaking, you have to speak something that you you really care about. You have to that really ignites have you. you. Have you ever given a talk about something you didn't care about? I guess I have done for work some few times. I had to do it most likely. Yeah, yeah, but I, I can feel the difference. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking about that sometimes when I would facilitate, you know, I often get hired to talk, yeah. to um, facilitate a meeting and draw a picture. And sometimes I just hated the content of what they were doing in the room. Mm. And that was, uh, you know, a big learning for me to only choose projects that I wanted to work on. But sometimes oh. you do do have to do things you don't love um, yes. in order to make a living. And then after a certain point, you realize it's not worth it. And you figure out how to make money doing what you love. And I think that's what she's speaking about. Mm -hmm. You have to really love it. Exactly. But now, could you recommend us one book in special that you think we could read it? Yeah. I, you know, I've been, uh, I read a lot. And one of the books I'm reading right now is called Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. And it's by James Clear. I like this book because we uh, underestimate the value of habits and habits yeah. are really what help us change our behavior. And so um, I talk a lot about limiting beliefs that people have, but it's actually uh, your habits that help you change the limiting belief to something new. So I love that. I think it's worth reading. Mm -hmm. What's at atomic habits? Atomic habits. Okay. Sounds very good. And please finally leave us with uh, something practical. I would like to give us an exercise, something practical that you would recommend us do it regularly, a routine to shine. I think that um, one thing to do regularly is to draw. Mm -hmm. And um, when you are goal setting, especially to draw a picture of what it is that you want. Um, and you can put on the page words and pictures, mm -hmm. but be sure to color it and fill your brain with it and imagine yourself doing it. And even when you're doing going into your day, if you can spend time just sketching out a picture of what your day will be like on the other side of it, when you have successfully closed the deal, when you have successfully um, gotten on stage and given your talk, Um, and just a picture of you in that celebratory state with a few thought bubbles coming out of your head, like, ah, oh, I nailed it, mm. or this was fantastic, or the audience wants more, things like this will help to unlock you and open you to the ideas that come through from your creative genius. Mm -hmm. So also, also drawing your your victories, sort of uh, visualizing your victory and, and draw it with, with color, you said, right? Yes, yes. The more color you give it, the more your attention you're calling to it with your brain. And you, you, um, you initiate the reticular activating system, which is when your eye sees something, it's like your Google, internal Google al algorithm that you have. When you want something, you put it out there for yourself. Your brain will start to pull to you all those things all around the world. So you start to see them and you can take action on all those little steps. Mm -hmm. And you keep it in some just uh, drawing book, just a drawing book, just for your, like a sketchbook, just for how you yes, keep them. Well, 
As a writer, I write every day and I always draw a picture of what it is. And so it's in there. And then at the end of the year, I go through the journals and pull out the pictures. Uh And whenever I pull, uh, have a picture of a vision, I may take a picture of it with my phone Mm -hmm. and then catalog it that way. So I have it. Um, in a space where I can see them all together. Like I have vision maps from when I was wanting to be a speaker many, many years ago. Mm. And those I sometimes refer back to and look at, wow, that's how I drew back then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. And how do you color? Do you color with the felty pens? What, what do you? Yeah. I color with those, and sometimes I use a something called a Tombow pen. It's a brush tip pen, uh-huh. and sometimes with pencils. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and Mr. Sketch markers, any kind of Newland marker, you know, you can get any markers to color, and they're fantastic. Okay, excellent, excellent. You can give me the tips to how to make it a colorful. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Patty. It was great talking with you. A really fascinating story. A lot of things that... Uh, we're on your way to, to become successful uh, speaker, coach, and illustrator. I think we can learn from different yeah. aspects on your, uh, your Thank you. story. Thank you so much, Oscar. And if people want to find more information, they can go to my website, upyourcreativegenius.com, um, or follow me on Twitter. It is my last name, P. Dobrovolsky. So you can find that it, up your creative genius is there and it's linked to me there too. But also I have some classes. So if anyone's interested in drawing or uh, learning how to do the draw your future process, I certify people all around the world. So I have a cadre of people in all different countries who are drawing the future for other people as part of their own business. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is at my teaching class, which is creativegeniusu.com. And so those one of those websites, they'll lead you to the other. So you can find me either way. Excellent. Again, Patty, it was a pleasure talking with you and all the best. Thank you so much, Oscar. Have a great and wonderful day, everybody. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com Until next time...